Well, welcome back to the Midtown Podcast. My name is Bree Sheldon, and I was the host last week, and I've got the awesome honor to be back again hosting for part two of the podcast series that we're in. And so again, I'm going to welcome our guest, who everyone, of course, already knows who you are, but also give you a welcome. Welcome, Trevor Lubens. Hey, hey there. Well, hey there. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for you to stop because let's just be honest. You got a ton of rave reviews, five-star Google reviews. You were on Yelp. Yeah. because Everybody I, said Brie was so good. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's because I texted everyone and said, hey, tell Trevor how good I was. <laughs> no, yep. no, no, no. Uh, well, thank you. I do, I do love getting to be host because you have such a fun brain and you're able to just <laughs> talk through so many things at once, which is awesome. But then for people with brains like me... I'm like a one track, you know? I don't like my brain sometimes. Well, that's not a real positive way to start off the podcast. It's just, it goes a lot. It moves a lot. It's a great it's, thing. It really is interesting. The other day, Taya is super into her colors. Yes. And what she likes and what she doesn't like. And then we were, she wanted to know all of our favorite colors. That's what it was at dinner. And then I said, somebody said like, my favorite color is blue. And it just hit me. Like, how do we all know that we're talking about the same thing? We don't. Right? Oh, we don't. And so, like, I have this version of normal. Like, everybody's brain should work the way I do. You love this, because I'll start into a story, and I've already told myself three quarters of the story. Yeah. And you're like, who are you talking about? And where where are we? makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's, see, that's the beautiful thing about working with you the last, I don't know, what, three and a half years now? Yeah. Is I'm so comfortable that I can say, that made zero sense, Trevor. Please start again. (laughs) Whereas, when I first met you, was like oh mm-hmm, yeah yeah and in my mind i'm like what is happening hopefully i'm self-aware enough to also not take that personally well that's why How's you have it? friends in your life so yeah. when you're not self-aware enough they <laughs> help you become self-aware enough like a feedback loop wow look at that segue. we're gonna high five right now in the booth mm. nice <laughs> Okay. I do want to give us a quick summary before we dive in. I would love to just give a quick summary about what last episode was about. So if you haven't listened to last, well, a couple of weeks ago, um, but the last episode that dropped, please go back and do that because this one will not make a ton of sense without that. Um, But just to sum up real quick, we basically talked about how change is inevitable, right? And how... Mm -hmm. As we go through life, we're either conforming or we're transforming and how transforming is like an intentional decision and how actually a lot of us feel like we continue to conform without any lasting change. Like we try to make change in our lives and then three days down the road, we just go back to the way that we were. And so you Trevor talked about this model, which you talked, you called the spin form, right? Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. And what does that stand for again? Well, I got to give a shout out to Tyson. He came up with it. Uh, so if you don't like it, it's very, it's his Congrats, fault. Jason. Um, the, the SP of spin stands for spiritual. Mm-hmm. The I N stands for intentional okay. and the form is short for formation. Nice. Spin form, spiritual, so. intentional formation. Okay. Right. So that's kind of the transforming versus the conforming that we're talking about. Yeah. And we ended by talking about like how this model is created and you wanted to use it in a spiritual setting to help us become more like Jesus. And so we ended with this concept of kind of considering our outputs of, are we love? Are we joy? Are we peace? Are we patience? And I kind of did this over the last week and, um, didn't love some of the things that I saw in myself, but I think that's so important and such a great 
piece of this is the self-awareness that hopefully leads to this lasting change. It, it really does. And quite honestly, why I'm doing this for a couple of reasons, but one of the main reasons is I need it. Yeah. Like I, we get a, we get a annual checkup every single year to, and our doctor tells us our vitals and then gives us a plan so that we don't um, die sooner than we want to, or we don't have complications and we live a better life. And I just think that we do it for our physical bodies, but our spiritual selves often we don't, we're just not self-aware and we're not intentional about um, how we're transforming or conforming. So I need it. Well, me too. So you're in good company. Yeah. And so we talked about the outputs and the feedback loop, but this week we're going to talk about the first half of that model, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to dive in and tell us a little bit more about what that looks like? Yeah. So definitely go back and listen to the last episode, but if you're like, whatever, um, just, (laughs) just to help, this is based off of a, of a business model. It's an open system of organization and all organizations can be kind of boiled down to four categories. Mm -hmm. They have inputs, they have transformational processes, they have outputs, and then hopefully they have a feedback loop. And so the idea is if you're like making widgets, if you're making bolts, well then you need metal for an input and you need a machine and then you need that machine to change that metal into a bolt. And then you have a feedback loop, which is like these bolts are great or these bolts are not Not great. great. So there you go. There's the simple widget one. And when I learned about this in 2014, I saw an instant parallel to our spiritual lives because the thing is we can't, you can't just change an output. You, you have to, your feedback loop informs either your inputs or your transformational processes in order to make a better output. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, it's just like, if you, if you have ever made a decision to follow Jesus or you've, you've thought about it, you're interested in it, whatever, I, there can be this idea that if I, I pray a prayer and I maybe get baptized and then boom, I am changed. And for some people there, you can actually notice a radical difference. Like I've, I've heard those stories. I've been around those stories. I've been to Thursday night, uh, at summer at youth camp and you, but you have somebody that makes this huge change. Um, but this is kind of interesting. You typically, (laughs) if you don't change your friend group, if you don't, if you keep watching the movies and you listening to the music that you listened to and you don't change anything of those other patterns, you'll come the next year and you'll be like, man, I need that Thursday night at camp again. Right, right. <laughs> I need that transformational experience versus a transformational process, yeah. which is very, which is ongoing. And, uh, and so we, we talked about the outputs for a follower of Jesus should be love um, and expressions of love, which could be either in Galatians 5 or 1 Corinthians 13. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then we added from 1 Corinthians, um, compassion, contentment, forgiveness, and... Um, Those were the three I remembered. Uh, and, oh, humility. Oh, yeah, that That's one. That's a good one. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I forgot that of one. Course. Jeez. Okay. And then, and then the feedback loop. So this is just a part of being self-aware, um, but also taking inventory, like 
being intentional about what I, what do I look like? What do people experience from me and from my actions and my words? Uh, But also you could get somebody else to be involved in this, a small group, a trusted friend. Um, Also some other people will tell you that you're not being very great. And uh, that's, you know, hopefully you do well with that. Hopefully you're humble. You have some humility and you can take that. (laughs) And then there's natural consequences. So there's a, there's a lot that's involved in a feedback loop. Now, on to inputs. This one is probably the most difficult one to, that, that I've had the most difficult time figuring out. Just because it's not a complete equal correlation with any sort of an organization that makes anything, it's easy to see what the inputs are. They're ingredients, right. it's your recipe, it's, you know, all the... So for this one, like, what is it? We've been, we've been all around this. We've talked about, like, is it our environments? Is it, like, those, those core relationships or influences that we have? Which I think that they all play a part in in this they're they're all inputs right you're you're constantly receiving information i mean from the time that we're born i think humans are amazing things yeah and we're we're taking in this information always and we're trying to make sense of it but i think the the biggest thing that the to where we've i guess where we've come is this uh, an idea of ideologies that was fun an idea of ideologies nice. or just ways that we think and really like stories that we tell to make sense of the world. Uh, and so you could say that all of these ideologies, you're, they come from these different systems. So you have a family of origin or, or some place that you call home. Everybody's got a different story. Uh, and so, but your, your family of origin has a lot to do with shaping your worldview, shaping how you understand the world and your place in it. But then you get friends and you go to school and where you go to school and the type of friends that you, you know, you either choose or they choose you something that has an impact on you. Um, one of the things that I find interesting is when you see the word deconstruction, happening it's happening all over the place we've talked about it a lot on the podcast yeah. in fact some people are like don't talk about that again <laughs> but deconstruction is this you're it mostly has to do with ideologies and when people start deconstructing there's a typically you can start do you start to do it in high school but especially in college yeah. And I think why is because now all of a sudden you're introduced to a whole bunch of different people who all had a different family of origin and all have these different ideologies. And typically you get a relationship with them first, you know, and you like them, you trust them, you went through freshman orientation and all the fun stuff at welcome week and all that. And then you sit down to lunch and they start kind of just explaining what truth is to them and you're like no whoa 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 you think that wait I like you but I don't think that so wait what else isn't true and so now all of a sudden you've got these new stories that you're telling yourselves and technically that person across the table who you love they're a new input and and so we don't necessarily recognize so this is that thing about unintentional versus intentional uh unintentionally taking in these new inputs and not really critically thinking about them, but just kind of going with the flow and, and, or, um, being tired of it and settling on something 
and just letting that be the story that you tell yourself. And what I would say too is that, and jump in here if I'm going too fast, but all of these ideologies and all these stories that you tell yourself to make sense of the world, you can you could call that a worldview. And everybody has a worldview. And the way that I've had somebody um, describe a worldview, it's basically just a set of lenses in which you see the world. It's the way you experience the world. It's the way that you view relationships. It's the way that you view other cultures. Um, And really worldviews also, uh, they they try to answer these four questions. Um, Where did we come from? Uh, Why are we here? Like, what's our purpose? Mm -hmm. Who decides what good and evil is? And where are we going? What happens when Mm -hmm. we die? And, or they choose to ignore some of those questions. Um, But that's, I think we're still trying to figure out what the best way, like how would we be intentional about thinking about what our ideologies are, what our worldviews are, what are those inputs, what are those influences? But I think it's something that's worth uh, thinking about. And maybe it might even be just as simple as asking those questions. Yeah. <laughs> where do we come from? Yeah. Uh, why are we here? What's our purpose? Who decides good and evil and where are we going? And maybe even listing out why do we, like who has played it and had an influence on me thinking that way? Yeah. What's the biggest influences? That's what I was going to say. I think that this whole concept is really interesting of worldviews because I think that a lot of us going through life just think, I am who I am and I am the way that I am. And so from that, I'll make decisions and I'll choose to spend my time doing different, different things, but we don't really evaluate why am I the way that I am and why do I believe what I do? And so, yeah, I think that's such a good practice of examining my childhood and how that shaped my beliefs. And then also right now, who are the influences that, who, who, who has the loudest volume in my life? Like, who am I allowing to speak into my life? And so I want to make sure that I got this right from what you said, Trevor, that inputs are kind of that worldview and ideologies that are made up of our from our childhood from the influences that we are still currently allowing to speak into our life like all of those things collectively create this lens through which we see the world called a worldview and that is kind of what an input would be yes is that accurate that is accurate okay Okay. And that helps to inform our transformational processes or pathways, which is the next, is there like a relationship there or does that work? There is. So again, think about if, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is the approach that we're taking. Um, that if we're a follower of Jesus, Paul says that the fruit of the spirit, if the, if the spirit is active in you and you're following Jesus and you're living kind of within this presence of God, always, always with you, that the output is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. And so the question then is if you can't change, if, if you don't have those inputs, if you find yourself angry, easily angered, um, because Paul says love isn't easily angered and it keeps no record of wrong and love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. If you're off on that, uh, you can't just change that output. It's going to inform either your inputs or your transformational processes. So the first thing is, okay, if I'm following somebody, but my output is different, I may need to rethink if these are not the desired outcomes, this is not the outcome that I want. Um, then I might have to, I need to rethink that. Yeah. Also, though, you might have the right input for a, for a Christian, for a follower of Jesus, 
the input, one of the main inputs should be Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Yeah. And, and really, we've talked about this. I, I man, I gave a, a message a long time ago, and I kind of remember talking about how a biblical worldview, a, a lot of people say, you know, you need to have a biblical worldview. I don't know if that's, well, I made the argument that that's probably not accurate. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should have a Christ-like worldview. Right. Technically, the Pharisees had a biblical worldview or their Bible of the day. They had a a Torah worldview. And Jesus so many times says, you've heard it said, or you you know that it's written. However, I tell you, I'm the fulfillment of the law. And so having a Christ-like worldview, having a view of the world the way that Jesus views the world is, is a little bit different and it helps transform even the way that we view and we read scripture. So, um, so you, so if you have a, a Christ-like worldview or if Jesus is one of those main inputs, now the question is, the, the transformational processes. Right. There really is this strong sense that followers of Jesus, just they are different. They become different people. But the question is, how does that happen? Is it, again, is it just a prayer that I pray? Is it when I get baptized? And there's a, there's a whole lot of different denominations and different beliefs on this. However, I'm, I'm willing to say right now that I believe what has been lacking in my life well, I'm not willing to say that. I know what's been lacking in my life are spiritual practices. Mm. And so when we talk about transformational pathways, the, the spiritual practices, in fact, we should probably, we could just even say the list. Yeah, I've got it right here. Yeah. So these are the spiritual practices that would fall under that transformational pathways category. Their community, fasting, generosity, hospitality, prayer, Sabbath, scripture, simplicity, solitude, and dealing with our past. Woo. Yeah. So there we go. Community, fasting, generosity, hospitality, prayer, Sabbath, scripture, simplicity, solitude, and then dealing with our past. Um, so, so, okay. So this list, maybe a better way to think about it first is to go back to like the physical body, um, our physical beings. Um, I played at a small Christian college in Seattle, played basketball, played basketball my freshman and sophomore year. I was transferring to Northwest Nazarene university. The school that I was at was a D three school. Um, NNU had just uh, changed to NCAA division two. So all the players were just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. So when I was coming, the coach said, you are, you don't weigh enough. Uh, you're going to play guard, but you're going to get pushed around. So I, I weighed 198 pounds and he wanted me to be 215. Wow. <laughs> and so, um, I had six months to transform my body. Uh, it wasn't just going to happen. Uh, my best friend at the time, Eric and I, he worked at a gym. We were in the gym six days a week, six days a week. We took one day off and, but it wasn't just how much we lifted. It was also cardio and it was what we ate. And so I ended up getting up to 217 and, you know, humble brag. Overachiever. I was, uh, I had four, I think it was 4.6 or 4.7% body fat. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. It was crazy. So um, that was intentional transformation. Yeah. 
every single day. Well, um, fast forward, <laughs> I, I was a, a red shirt because some of my credits didn't transfer. So I had to um, take a couple extra classes mm -hmm. and then I had the option if I was going to play or not. So I ended up playing in one game before Christmas break. And then I went snowboarding, which you're not supposed to do. But those were the friends that I made at NNU. Yeah. I broke my wrist and uh, the coach did not like that. And so I was not on the team anymore because <laughs> uh, I lost my scholarship. And so while I'm in my, my cast... Uh, and also I had a breakup right at that same time, kind of went into a, a spiral, kind of a spiral, yeah. uh, was in my, my dorm room a lot, drinking orange juice and playing the guitar and writing songs about, you know, depression. Uh, emo was big back then too. So, uh, if anybody remembers, um, dashboard confessional, I was listening to a lot wow. of that. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> it tells you how old I am. Um, that for, for a period of about four or five months, I was completely unintentional about my body yeah. and it changed again. And I went from 217 to 235 and a yeah. lot more body fat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That I probably oversold the physical change. And this whole thing about being intentional and unintentional. And I know people get that, but I don't think our spiritual lives are any different. I think well-intentioned Christians, people that are sincere, I was very sincere about the prayers that I prayed and the kind of this commitment to following Jesus. I was very sincere about it. And yet I didn't, I was not intentional about it yeah. at all. And quite honestly, when I was growing up, I've grown up in the church, yeah. this list of spiritual practices, yeah. and this comes from, this is kind of a mixture of Richard Foster and then also Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon has been doing a ton of work on this. John Mark Comer, along with Dallas Willard. Um, and, th and these go back <laughs> centuries. Yeah. This is, these are things that Jesus was involved in. Right. So, um, but this list, community, fasting, generosity, hospitality, prayer, Sabbath, scripture, simplicity, solitude, none of that was was prioritized in any of my churches. The only thing that was, and it was all the way, it was going to church and reading the Bible. Yeah. Know the Bible, memorize the Bible. We'd sword drills. And then uh, quizzing was all about knowing knowing the Bible. Like that was it. Yeah. And it wasn't so much a practice, like a means to an end. It was the end. Right. Like it was almost, you know, if you got first or second in the, in the quiz meets, dude, you You're were a, Christian. a Christian. Yeah. You're a good Christian. And if you went to church every day, you were a good Christian. Yeah. But I, and I'm not saying that transformation couldn't happen and didn't happen. I still was transformed, but not to the degree to where I could tell you that a second nature for me would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? right? It was the practice for the sake of the practice. It really was. Yeah. And it was almost the practice for like looking good and, and mm -hmm. looking apart. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, go to church, know your Bible, don't sin. And, you go, and, go, and you're going to heaven. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to belittle that at all. What I've seen from the church, especially from the last six years... It's, it's made me really sad. And I think we've talked about this a lot. COVID was just kind of an accelerator. And I think it exposed a lot of things. Um, for instance, and this might sound harsh too, but, you know, going it back into kind of the, just the organization realm, 
if your product or your service wasn't necessary and, and wasn't extremely valuable, it was really difficult to last through a yeah. pandemic. Yeah. But I also think it was an accelerator and it exposed some, th- some things in the church. Yeah. And when things like racial reconciliation have come up or things like even just the idea of wearing a mask, um, I did not experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those were not outputs that I sensed or experienced from the church as a whole. And I'm going to put myself into that as well. Um, I said some things in passion that I would not, that I had to ask forgiveness for, that just there wasn't self-control there. And so this is why I think what you saw was just a lack of, really what this is, is discipleship. This is being so committed to following Jesus that you would do these practices that you would allow the Holy Spirit to work on you and to work in you so that when something like a pandemic comes up, um, you are able to help people and you are able to offer uh, and express love in a bunch of different ways and circumstances. Because the Holy Spirit is just present and well, active. And that's the thing too, is like not to use divisive language, but it wasn't just one, and I'm doing quotes here, side or the other during the heightened, heightened like part of the pandemic versus masks or whatever the issue was. It was like on like everyone, it just seemed like there was a lack of love, of joy, of peace, of these things showing. And I think that that, and again, like you're saying it, you saw it in yourself and I saw it in myself and we saw it in other people and and ultimately that's why I think these have to be practices that, that we are really intentional about because otherwise if you're not practicing this when life is easy, then of course it's not going to show oh. in the midst of a pandemic or when other crises come your way or when you're yeah. tired from work or whatever that looks like, whenever you have external stressors on you, then of course our outputs are going to be 10 times worse than what they would be. And so yeah. that's why I think, yeah, even when life feels good and, and maybe the motivation isn't there to to be aware of our inputs and to really focus on these spiritual practices to transform us. But we need to be intentional and, and practice those. And I'm kind of preaching to myself here, but cause that's really where the discipline comes in and the discipleship and the hard work. And hopefully that's what makes it so that in those tough moments, those outputs really shine. Yeah. Yeah. I think the easy thing to do is, uh, cause I've, this is what I've done. It's you, these become a checklist. Mm-hmm. And so then they do end up becoming an end. But you don't read the Bible to read the Bible, I don't think. I think it's communion with God. Yeah. I, and so really, it's, they, are, they are a means to an end. They are a means to allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in us, the way yeah. that Paul said, this is what the Holy Spirit will produce in you. I think spiritual transformation is a mix of, it's a combination of God's power and human intention. I think you can fake it for a while, but it just the same way, like I'm coaching my son's basketball team and we played <laughs> lightning last night where you try to, you know, like get the person out in front of you yeah. and I'm going up against fourth graders and I beat them. However, uh, they wanted to play again and then the custodian had to come and kick us out and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> I'm 
so tired. So tired. <laughs> and so like, I don't know if you've ever done that. Like I just got done and there were parents there too. And so I'm like trying to not breathe mm-hmm. really hard to yeah. let them know like, oh yeah, dude, Every this time guy's I hike. super in shape. Yeah. 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 With friends. I'm like, no, I'm great. Respiratory system's awesome. <laughs> like when somebody passes you and yeah. you're breathing loud and then you're like, yeah, just hold it. I'm going to stop to admire the view, not to catch my breath for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like being in shape is different than looking like you're in shape. And I, and that's the thing with spiritual disciplines and practices is there's a difference between showing kindness and being kind, Yeah, you know? Right. And that's, and I think that's the goal is that, that you, this would become second nature or almost first nature, like how we were intended to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That they're not obligatory, but because of that relationship with Jesus that we've built and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, like it really is, like you said, that means of grace and all about that relationship. Yeah. Not yeah. because we feel like we have to, or we need to. And I've, I want that for me. I want that for my family. Yeah. Uh, I want my family to experience that for me. And quite honestly, when I've been more, I'll say disciplined, <laughs> when I've really been intentional about these you just, I experience it. Yeah. You experience it. I experience more intimacy with my wife. I'm like, when I'm there, I'm present. Yeah. You know, I'm present with my kids. Some of the things, because quite honestly, these transformation pathways, really a lot of it has to do with our time, how yeah. we use our free time. Yeah. And I'll, it's really difficult in America these days because America has become so good at providing comfort and entertainment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What are we giving our time and attention to? One of the main topics of conversation that I often find myself in is, hey, did you see so-and-so? Oh, did you watch that documentary? Did you see that whole entire series? <laughs> Binge watched it. <laughs> yeah. uh, not all of it's bad. Some of it's neutral, but also some of it's just time consuming. Right. And so when I say yes to watching college football on Saturday and NFL football on Sunday, what it's doing, I just, I'm saying yes to that. And I'm saying no to prayer or I'm saying no to scripture or simplicity. Those things I wouldn't say are bad or inherently evil. They just are, but they are entertainment. Yeah. And entertainment takes time. And quite honestly, that's like the attention economy. Um, People are paid to try to capture our attention yeah. and to get us to spend money and mostly to spend our time. Yeah, I think I think that's the importance of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in us because every person's different and yet we all have the same, same amount of time in a day and to some extent, right? And yeah. um, like ultimately I can't look into your life and say, Trevor, you're watching too much of this and you need to do this, right? Right. But, but really like that's the work of the Holy Spirit in me of okay, Brie, you've watched three episodes of Great British Baking Show and that is really life-giving for you. But after like the second one, you know, there are other things, other practices that you could put in place that maybe would result in better outputs, Yeah. right? Maybe those first two episodes do bring me joy, but, but to some extent, like we do have to, and that's, I think, that's why the evaluation part of this model for each of those, for the inputs, the transformational pathways, the outputs, like is really, really important because we're all growing and we're all just trying yeah. to become better yep. as we go. And I think this is a really great tool for that. And I don't think this isn't like a thing that you look at every single week. You know, I, th- I think this is probably at least a yearly thing 
uh, when we get it finished. That's the one thing I wish I should say as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad we have we, what we've done. We have Midtown community. We've got a group of people that are meeting on Sundays at four and then we have small groups and then we get to serve together on the f- fourth Sunday of every month. Um, and so I've invited them in because they're a feedback loop for this tool. Right. <laughs> so we're all coming together to create, you know, statements about our outputs. It's not just enough to say like, I am patient, you know, scale of one to 10, I'm an eight on the patient scale. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to come up with um, statements and we're working with some, uh, some professional counselors to give us feedback on, on the analysis and all that stuff. But so I would, I, I guess for right now, um, we can make these available on, on our website. There's this kind of a spin form and, and it's a graph. And I think it may be just enough to like look at it and to just be evaluative, to be a little bit discerning on what does our life look like? And, you know, you don't need a, a tool to be honest with yourself. Yeah. At least I don't. But. but but sometimes it helps. And I think, yeah, yeah like you said, Trevor, like this is, this is a tool that, that Midtown, that you are in the process of creating. And so it's not a final product, but it really is ultimately, hopefully will become a tool that will help us to make lasting change in our lives and become more like Jesus. But as it's right now, it's not completely finished and it's not fully implemented. So my question for you is like, where do we go from here for those people that are like interested in this concept, interested in this model? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I would do is read Galatians, um, short book, short, short letter from Paul. Uh, but you get to chapter five and it's pretty, it's pretty convicting. And, but I also it's, it's encouraging. Yeah. I mean, that's, you got to hear Paul's passion for people. Um, and I hope that I have that same passion. I mean, he wants people to experience this full life and, and to extend that to others. And then first Corinthians, um, especially 13 typically called the love chapter. And it's said it is spoken at every wedding, but it's really a call for community. It's, it's a call for the, for, for people that claim to be followers of Jesus to live into this. Um, so there's that. And then I think maybe even, um, maybe just a conversation with a really close friend. Yeah. My wife and I, our wedding vows, we said that we vowed to leave each other better than we found each other. Yeah, it's good. And uh, we've probably said this before. We have this f- funny little team name, Team T and J, where we, we are on the same team. Yeah. And uh, it's it's she wants the best for me and from me. And so we just have moments throughout. It's probably not every week, um, but we at least try at least twice a month to be intentional about, Hey, how am I, how am I doing? Um, or or to point out the, the good and to keep encouraging each other. So those are a couple things that I can think of right now. Yeah. I think those are great. Anything to add? Yeah. I think just generally speaking, I mean, I get to be a part of this conversation because not only do I work with you, Trevor, but I also am a part of Midtown. And so for those of you listening, maybe that are curious about this concept or want to even learn more or talk more with Trevor or anything, like you are invited to join the conversation. Like we're pretty, Midtown is all about, um, 
just inclusion and like the diversity of voices and thought. And so if you want to join the conversation, if you want to get to know our community or become a part of that, or just even see what it's all about. Again, we meet every Sunday at 4 PM at Tree City Church in Meridian, um, Idaho. And we would love to have you join us and join the conversation because yeah. like Trevor said, this really is a work in progress. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, actually I thought of one other thing, yeah. pretty practical. Uh, John Mark Comer, the former pastor of Bridgetown, who he started a thing called practicing the way.org. He has a book called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Yeah. And it involves four of these practices. Um, and it, and it really hits home to some of the biggest struggles for Americans, especially, uh, just because of our culture. And like we said, entertainment and, and comfort. And so, uh, you get to hear a little bit of his story and then, it's got some really practical applications and some exercises for, for scripture and Sabbath and solitude and silence. Yeah. So, Oh, simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we went through that, um, as a midtown community last or early this year. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be doing it again because it's just something that you can keep coming back to. Yep. Because yeah. the culture constantly wants you to conform. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trevor, is yep. there anything else about this model that you want to share anything before we wrap up? I think the only thing I would say is sometimes when I talk about this, I think it can feel like it's all about human effort. And I, again, going back to that statement that I said, it really is a, a, this mysterious and beautiful combination of, of God's power, the Holy Spirit's power and presence and also human intention. Yeah. And I think why I, I am so passionate about this and why I speak about it, it's because I feel like the human intentionality part has been maybe lacking, but, but hear me say this. It's, it's, it, we, you know, we sing a song, it's not I, but it's Christ through me. And, And so it's, it's really the Holy spirit. And if you are, if you are just weirded out by by Jesus <laughs> or by the church or by the, like maybe some of the things that you've heard, I really would invite you to come to Midtown because one of our values is, is dialogue over monologue and also curiosity over judgment. Um, we, we think that this is like a partnership and it's a community, uh, it's a community journey. And so we're better. We would be better because you would be a part of us and you would bring questions and perspectives that we need. And, but ultimately we're all just trying to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, because we believe he's Messiah, but also he is the way and the truth and the life. So, so good. Trevor, I love that you mentioned some of our core values. I actually want to end by saying our core values for those of you who that aren't a part of Midtown and are just kind of curious about what our community is all about. I think these core values really describe our heart um, and just the fiber of who we are as Midtown. And then for those of us that are a part of the Midtown community, it is never, we can never hear these things too many times. So I just want to read these off. These are our core values here at Midtown. Community over isolation, curiosity over judgment, authenticity over perfection, relationship over religion, dialogue over monologue, action over words, and then all of those can be summed up with love over selfishness. That is who we are as a part of Midtown. Thanks for listening today, you guys. We love doing this podcast. Please share this episode with someone that you think would appreciate this or maybe needs this or that would start a curious conversation. And then we're super excited because we will be starting a new series in a couple weeks that's all about gratitude for the month of November. And as we go, friends, remember, we're following Jesus and we're living with purpose 
in community.